I want to talk to you today about the magnitude of attitude. Everybody in here has one. You've got an attitude. And I'm going to talk to you about good attitude, bad attitude, in-between attitude, changing your attitude. And did you know the Bible tells us that Jesus had an attitude? It describes his attitude. And I'm going to read part of that to you, Philippians 2, 3 to 5. Let's just look at this. And we're about to have Paul now describe the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Is this going against the grain of our culture or what? Because our culture says it's all about you. This is telling us it's all about everybody else. Now, let's look at the last part. Read this with me. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Wow, there it is in black and white. Jesus had an attitude. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of God that's going to renew our minds today, that is going to speak to us today, minister to us today. Lord, we know that you want to change us. We're not what we used to be, Lord, but we're sure not what we're going to be. And I thank you that every person in this room is on the potter's wheel. Every person in this room and watching by streaming and listening by radio, watching on the Internet, every one of them who are yours are being fashioned by you and shaped by you each and every day. Now, Lord, change us by the word of God. Can you breathe a prayer today, church, and say, Lord... I receive your word. Change me and renew my mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Good to have all of you here at the 1030. How many of you woke up and said, oops, I'm going to have to hurry. It's not at 11. All right, a few of you. Now, I want to talk to you about the importance of your attitude. What I'm calling the magnitude of attitude, when I say the magnitude of attitude, I mean the importance of attitude. Most of us don't understand how important our attitude really is. God has called us to have the attitude that was in Jesus Christ. But you know what? That's a lifelong process. We are saved instantly, but we are transformed in a process that takes a lifetime. How many of you can say, I'm not what I used to be, but I know I'm not what I'm going to be? Right? Amen. Most of us can remember our parents saying, you better watch that attitude. Or you have said it as a parent to your kid. Now, now why did you tell your kid, you better watch that attitude? Or why did your parents say it to you? Because parents instinctively know an attitude can get you in trouble or it can bless you. An attitude matters. Amen? Attitude matters. Now, let me just define for you what an attitude is. An attitude is a settled way of thinking, a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. The attitude that you and I have, whatever that attitude is, is like a lens we look through, and it's the way that we view life. We see all of life and everything that happens in life through the lens of whatever attitude we have cultivated and accepted into our own life. We Right now, you're listening to me through the lens of an attitude. Most of you like me. A couple of you are having an attitude. I'm just guessing. Probably not. But it could be. 
But you've got an attitude. We're, we're, we see our worldview is really the attitude through which we see the world. We all have an attitude. And your attitude is the ultimate outcome of what you think about yourself, God, rules, and authority in life itself. Your attitude is the result of whatever conclusion you have come to about God in life. And it becomes an attitude. It becomes an attitude. You can have a good attitude. You can have a bad attitude. You can have a positive attitude or a negative attitude. You can have an attitude that opens doors for you, or I guarantee you, you can have an attitude that shuts doors on you. Your attitude is the one thing you take with you everywhere you go. When you got in here today, you brought your attitude with you. Do you know that when I interview somebody for a job, I focus on their attitude as much as I do their credentials? Here's why, because I know whatever their attitude is, if they're hired, I'm going to live with it. And that's why before you marry somebody, you ought to check out their attitude. Because whatever you marry, whatever attitude is there, you're going to live with it. You're going to wake up with it every day. Somebody can look great and have a terrible attitude. Somebody can be hard on the eyes and have a great attitude and it makes them look pretty. I am. Amen. (laughs) Because see, when I interview somebody and I'm checking out their attitude, I want to know, do they have a chip on their shoulder about authority? I want to know, can they accept an assignment that really, they really don't want to do, but they'll do it anyway with with, with an uncomplaining smile. I'm going to read that one again. Can they accept an assignment they really don't want to do with an uncomplaining smile? If they can do that, they've got a good attitude. I want to know, do they harbor grudges? I want to know, do they walk around and, and, and carry offenses? Because if that's their attitude, if that's the way they handle adversity, then they're going to be difficult to work with. They're going to be difficult to be around. The fact is, here's, here's the truth about your attitude. It can make or break you. It can heal or it can hurt you. It can make friends or it can make enemies. It can make you happy or guess what? I'm telling you the truth. Your attitude can make you miserable. A success or a failure. You see, you are not a victim of your circumstances. You're a victim of your attitude. Whatever your attitude is, 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 is what is deciding your joy or your sorrow, your misery or your happiness. Your attitude can make or break a company, a church, or a home. And let me just say to the dads here, this is free. Let me say to the dads, you're married, you got kids at home, and you're the dad, you're the head of the home. Do you know that God has called you to be the primary setter of, of the attitude that is in your home? That whatever attitude you carry, if you're walking around grouchy and snapping at everybody, that that's the attitude you're going to set in your home? Ladies, that's a good time for you to say Amen. But being the head of the home, men, God has anointed you and appointed you to, to bring a positive, joyful attitude to the home. You don't want everybody scared when you walk in the house at night. You want them glad to see you. I've known some men, the pets went under the furniture when they came home. I'm plowing through this now today. Here we go. Now listen. 
We're going to see in this series that your attitude determines your altitude in life. How high you reach or how low you go. I'm going to just give you a question. Attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? Because you know it's good or bad. I will not hang around with negative people. I'm not going to hang around with negative down people who are always complaining about something because that's contagious. That's going to get off on me. I want to be around people who are going to lift me up, who are going to encourage me. The kind of person that wakes up every day and says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I've got the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want that kind of person around me. The good news is that we've got a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Your attitude is something you put on like getting dressed. You put it on every day. What attitude am I going to walk in? Have you ever noticed you can have a bad attitude one day and a good one the next? Have you noticed that you could be in an incredible attitude and then get into rush hour traffic? I tell you, nothing tests me like rush hour traffic. Not anything. I have to put on the joy of the Lord. I have to put on Jesus. I have to remember that I'm saved. And, and you know, it's not hard to spot people in rush hour traffic who are, who are not walking in a good attitude. But listen, you can't change your past. You can't change the fact that people are going to act in a certain way. You can't change the inevitable. There are many things in life that we cannot control. But here's the one thing we can do. We can play on the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. We can choose our attitude. We can have a joyful, overcoming, positive attitude, and we can refuse to put on a negative, sour, angry, victim attitude. It's it's up to us what attitude we're going to be dressed in every day. And listen, your attitude can decide just how far you go in God. As a matter of fact, if faith is the boat in which you float, your attitude is the wind in your sails. And it's either pulling you forward in God, pushing you forward in God, or it's blowing against you and causing every step you take to be more difficult. I believe that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Nobody can make you react any way you don't want to. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You are, like I said, a victim of your attitude. You will enjoy a good attitude or be cursed by a bad attitude. It's really up to us, isn't it? Amen. Amen. I preach it, Pastor Jeff. This is a good, I'm going to get this CD. I'm going to preach my, I'm going to tell myself, preach it, Pastor Jeff. Come on. The only person who can choose your attitude is you. I've lived, and if you've lived long enough on this planet, you know that some people think the whole world stinks and the whole world is against them, and others see only sunshiny days. And you wonder, what makes the difference? The difference is attitude. Which one would you rather go on vacation with? Ninety-five times out of a hundred when you feel like life stinks, it's not that life really stinks, it's your attitude that stinks. Once you, your attitude becomes negative, now here's the truth. Catch this. Once your attitude becomes negative, you cannot win. You will not win. Because your attitude becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think that life is against you, it's eventually going to look like all of life is against you. 
If you have this attitude that life is against you and you're born under a bad sign and nothing ever goes your way and everybody's mad at you and nobody likes you, what will happen is you will actually create that reality through the negative attitude. I want you to imagine meeting somebody who takes a skunk on a leash with them everywhere they go. They walk into the room, and they may be handsome, they may be pretty, they may be smart, they may be talented, and you're about to go say hello to them, but then behind them comes this skunk. You say, I would really like you if it wasn't for the skunk you drag with you everywhere you go. That's what a bad attitude is like. You can be pretty, you can be handsome, you can be upstanding, you, you can be a wonderful, you know, you know, you can have all kinds of potential, but you've got that attitude. And he noticed that nobody wants to be around you because of the skunk that you carry with you everywhere you go and that you won't let go of. We've all known people that were mad at the world and so on and so forth. And that really just comes down to attitude. Now, notice that our scripture verse informs us that Jesus had an attitude so beautiful and so noble, so good, and so advantageous that we should all strive to have the same attitude. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. What was Jesus' attitude? He was always on top of things. No matter what people did, he had the joy of the Lord. He was always in charge. His attitude never went sour. It never went negative. It never went bad. He was never angry. He never walked around with a chip on his shoulder. Jesus maintained a loving servanthood attitude his entire life, though he was abused and wronged and betrayed and done dirty by people, his attitude was always admirable and beautiful and magnificent and victorious. So today, we're laying the foundation for this series by talking about what an attitude is, how it's formed, and how changing your attitude can change your life. I want you to say something with me. Change your mind change your life. Let's try that one more time. Change your mind. Change your life. I'm going to tell you today how to be happier, how to have more joy. I'm going to tell you how to be transformed. Anybody game? Now let me say up front, I'm not here to preach down to anybody or to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm just here to help you. Listen, I have struggled with a bad attitude in my life. When I was a teenager, my bad attitude got me in jail. I had a bad attitude that I had to totally overcome. And I'm telling you, you can do it. And I'm going to tell you how to do it today. Now, first, I want to look at where does your attitude come from? If you've got a good one, if you've got a bad one, if you've got one that kind of goes back and forth according to the day, let me tell you where attitude comes from. Because the Bible tells us. Attitudes are formed by our thoughts. See, every battle you face, 99.5% of the battles you face in life happen in between your two ears in the gray matter. Happens in your mind. The battlefield of the mind. Your mind is the battlefield of life. It's where temptations come. It's where good thoughts or bad thoughts pick you up or take you down. I'm convinced when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil came to tempt him and he tempted him three times with major temptations, Jesus wasn't seeing some uh, devil in a red suit with a long tail and a pitchfork standing next to him, tempting him. No, suddenly 
the thought hit his mind. Turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God. It was a thought. And then there was another thought. Walk up on the pinnacle of the temple. Now Jesus, jump! For he'll give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. They'll pick you up and hold you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. That wasn't a devil he was seeing. That was not a, a being standing next to him. It all happened here in his thought life. Jump! He was battling thoughts that were fiery arrows shot into the theater of his mind by the enemy of his soul. It's where temptations originate and it's where temptation is defeated. In your mind. In your mind. I talk to people all the time that are having incredible battles in their mind. That's where, that's where the battle is won or lost. That's where you have victory or are defeated. That's where you move forward in God or you are hindered. Do your thoughts spring from the Bible or do they reflect the world's thinking? It's one of the two. Have you noticed that our world is always trying to tell us what to think? Have you noticed that? We're all, we're being so pressured to think like the world. Every day. It's in the news. Every day you see it in, in, in every mass medium, newspapers, Television news, radio news, every time talk shows, comedy shows, everywhere you turn, our world is trying to pressure us into its mold to tell us what to think, how to think, what conclusions to come to, how to view God, how to view people, how to view life, how to view morals. The question is, are we going to go with the world or are we going to put our minds into the Bible and think like the Bible tells us to think. And guess what? Why thoughts are important is because your thoughts ultimately create your attitude. Whatever your attitude is, your thoughts led you there. The most important battles you will ever face are in your thought life and your thought life decides the attitude you live with, the lens through which you see the world. Let me give you an example. When you experience trouble, adversity, loss, or mistreatment from others, your attitude, the attitude that emerges from your experiences will be shaped by your thoughts, which come from either the Bible or the world's way of viewing things. See, if you've got a positive attitude, it means you overcame adversity. But if you've got a negative attitude, it means that adversity caused you. You accepted a negative view of life because of what you went through. This is why the Bible says, listen to this, be made new. Everybody say, be made new. Oh, I'm going to tell you how to be made new today. And you say, well, I'm saved, Jeff. Yes, you're saved. But your spirit was instantly saved. But guess what? Your mind needs to be renewed after years of stinking thinking. Years of stinking thinking. So the Bible says, now that you're saved, now that you're born again, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Another version, be renewed in your mental attitude. One more, I got to just, one more. You were taught to have a new attitude. Could the Bible be more clear? We're told repeatedly as Christians to be renewed in the way we think, to change the way we think. 
And that's what the Bible does, church. The Bible changes the way we think. You know why? Because that Bible, that Bible is God's thoughts in a book. The way God thinks in a book. And so how do we renew our thinking? By the word of God. See, some of you have been saved a long time, but you don't have any joy. You don't have much victory. You've been kind of trodden through life and plodding through life. And you kind of wonder what all the hubbub is about when you come to church and everybody's jumping in and, and, and praising God and looking like they have joy. And you're wondering, how come I don't? Let me tell you something. It could be that you have not spent enough time in the word to renew your thinking. Because my message today is the Bible tells me that I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. And the renewing of my mind happens by reading the Bible and accepting it as truth. This is how we experience change. Listen to what it says. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. Now read the next few words with me. By, how are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind. See, we just expect God to hit us with a lightning bolt and change us. And when you get saved, you're on the way to being changed. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and all has become new. But guess what? The renewing of your mind is lifelong. It's a process. And you are transformed. How many of you want to be like Jesus? How many of you want to walk like him, talk like him, think like him? Come on. All right. You want to? Then here's what the Bible says. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the way that you think. Notice every day you and I have a choice when we get up. Am I going to be conformed today or am I going to be transformed today? Am I going to listen to what the world's telling me to think and agree with it? Let me give you some examples. I might get in trouble here, but here goes. The world is telling us, if you're homosexual, you're born that way. The Bible says that's not true. The world is telling us that abortion is okay. The Bible tells us that's not true. The world is sending us messages every day. And really, these days, the world is saying, you better believe it or we're going to persecute you. And you may even lose your job. But guess what? The Bible says, don't be conformed to the way they think. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are transformed into Jesus' likeness as our thinking changes which always in turn changes our attitude. You can change your attitude by changing the way you think, and you change the way you think by receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. The law of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. So we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. By the way we think. Listen to this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let me read that again. Let God transform you. How many of you want to be transformed? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So until we're changed, what we've got is the thinking problem. So our attitude changes, 
when our thinking changes. You want a different attitude? Change the way that you think. Now, second, let me talk to you about a bad attitude for a minute. A bad attitude, if you've got a bad attitude, sour attitude, angry attitude, victim attitude, you're walking around with an attitude, and and, and you know you've got an attitude. Anybody that lives with you, you know you've got an attitude. Listen to this powerful verse. A bad attitude is a stronghold that must be defeated. A bad attitude is a stronghold. Listen to this powerful verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds. Now you read that and you go, well, that sounds really powerful. Boy, I love that. But you don't know what a stronghold is. Let me tell you what a stronghold is. It's whatever holds you strong. How easy is that? A stronghold is what has a grip on you. A stronghold is whatever is holding you strong. But guess what it is that's holding you strong? A stronghold is a Bible word used to describe a fortified military stronghold. A strong walled fortress. We've all seen them in, in the movies. You've got this fort and, and, and it's fortified or even a castle and it's fortified. It's high, and there is a bridge that goes over a moat, and in that moat, it's full of alligators, and you can't get in unless the bridge is lowered down and allows you entrance. But if it doesn't allow you entrance, you can't get in because it's a stronghold. It's a fortified stronghold to keep you out. Now, Paul uses this word to describe a faulty thinking. And he's telling us that the wrong kind of thinking is just like that castle, just like that stronghold. And, and, and you can't get free because that stronghold is fortified. It is, it is strong. And it's a, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of being negative or defeated or self pity or whatever the attitude you have that needs to be changed, it's a stronghold in your mind. It's a thinking stronghold. See, some of you believe something that somebody told you about yourself when you were young. They said, you're dumb, you're stupid, you don't have any talent, you're not going to amount to anything. And you believe that, and now there's a stronghold in your mind. It's a lie. Because I'm going to tell you today, they were wrong. God don't make no junk. You have potential. You, you are blessed of God. You are, a, you are a favorite of God. You are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. You are loved. And God gave you a gift. But you got somebody that told you when you were young, you're dumb. You're not pretty. You're not handsome. You're not going to amount to much. And, and you've got this stronghold in your mind and it's caused an attitude. You walk around with an attitude of, oh, I just, I can't do anything and I can't go anywhere and I can't accomplish anything. And poor me. And you're always playing a violin and throwing self pity parties that everybody's tired of coming to. Because it's an attitude. And they see you walking in the room and there comes that skunk behind you. They see you walking in the room and you're carrying that skunk. Oh, poor me. Let me tell you about my sorrows. Nobody, nobody knows the sorrow I've seen. We say, we've heard all your violin playing until you're ready to play another song. Don't come over. Our attitude comes from the way we think. 
what we think about God, ourselves, about others, the world, and life itself. So a stronghold is a thinking problem. It's a battle in our thought life. It's renegade, rebellious, faulty thinking the devil uses to hinder your walk with God and your success in life. This is why Paul goes on to say, listen, casting down arguments. Everybody say casting down. That is a powerful word. He's telling you, you need to pull that thought down. You need to pull that attitude down. And every high thing, faulty thinking that exalts itself. Listen to what he's saying against the knowledge of God. He's telling us that when you've got a wrong attitude and you're thinking wrong, it prevents you from knowing God the way you should. Bringing every thought where everybody say it with me into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You think thoughts don't matter? He's telling us that every thought ought to be Brought into obedience ought to come into line with what God wants you to think. A bad attitude is rooted in reasoning and thoughts that are contrary to God's way of thinking and God's will. And the only way you bring down this kind of stinking thinking is defeated by the unvarnished truth of God's word. The only way you're going to pull down this wrong thinking and these wrong attitudes is by inserting into your mind regularly the word of the living God. It erases stinking thinking and replaces it with godly thinking. It is powerful. It's a weapon in our warfare. We use God's mighty weapons, his word, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. When I was in all my trouble as a teenager, I didn't just have a chip on my shoulder. I had a two-by-four. I had an attitude. And you know what my attitude was? My attitude was all authority figures are against me. Life's against me. I'm not going to amount to much. And so I had this negative self-defeating attitude. And when I got saved, the Lord targeted that stronghold in my life by reading his word. That stronghold began to come down like this verse. If God before us, who can be against us? That allowed me to, to believe that God was on my side and not against me. It renewed my mind. And this one, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. In other words, all trouble that we experience as believers works for our good. So instead of life being against me, even the problems were working for me, and it renewed my mind. And over time... My attitude was transformed from negative, angry, pouting, and defeated to positive, excited, and peaceful. I went from being victim to victor. Conquered to conqueror. And it all happened in here. So in closing, I want to leave leave you with this thought. Change your mind. Change your life. Remember my illustration of carrying a skunk around on a leash everywhere you go, and that's your negative attitude? Let me give you another picture. 
What if instead you were walking with a beautiful, graceful angel everywhere you went? People saw you coming and with you was this beautiful, graceful angel. So they opened doors and they were glad to see you and they greeted you with a hug. And it brought all kinds of favor into your life because instead of bringing a skunk around with you, you're bringing this beautiful, graceful angel. And you said, you say to me right now, well, Jeff, that'd be great. Well, listen, that's what you're doing. When you have the attitude that was in Jesus Christ, you've got better than an angel. You've got the attitude that was in Jesus Christ and you're carrying him with you everywhere you go. And if I see you walking in the door, bringing Jesus with you, I'm throwing that door open. I'm going to give you a great big hug. I'm going to be glad to see you. And I'm going to ask you to stick around. Let's stand together, can we? Let me ask a question as we get ready to close. What are you thinking about most of the time? Can I tell you that something dominates everyone's day? You wake up with an attitude of one kind or another. You go through life with an attitude of one kind or another. What's yours? Just think about it. What do you think about Have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? Have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? Try it sometime when you're driving down the road. Just stop and say, hey, there's an old song. (laughs) Boy, am I dating myself here. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Now, there's a little bit of truth to that. Stop and think. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking, boy... I'll tell you what, if I was just happier at home, if I just had a better job, I'm so sick of life, blah, 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 blah. You're talking yourself into a pit. Your tongue is a shovel that's digging your own grave. What are you thinking about? Say, well, I'm going to think bad unless somebody gives me something better. I'm giving you something better. Fill your mind with the word of God. Get up in the morning and get into the Word of God. Why do you think I'm carrying our church through the Bible in a year? Because I know man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you're a believer, you're never going to grow unless you renew your mind. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness today. I thank you for talking to us. Lord, I know what it is to fight a bad attitude. And I know what it is to have my mind renewed. And to see the world through a different lens because I renewed my mind through the word of God. Now, Lord, today, I'm going to ask us to do something, dear church. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? If you're free to do that, you don't have to if you don't want to. But if you're free to do it, lift your hand to the Lord. Say, Lord, I've got an attitude for good or bad I give you permission oh I'm hearing about five of you pray it with me I give you permission in the next few weeks to mess with my attitude to renew my mind to change the way I think Lord adjust my attitude Now, I want you to take a minute, whatever the attitude is, if it's primarily good, God bless you. But if you're dealing with a victim attitude, if you're dealing with a sour, bitter attitude,
you're dealing with an angry attitude, I want you to give it to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, this is what needs to change. Change it. In Jesus' name. Now with your head bowed, just for a moment, someone here today, maybe more, are not sure about your salvation in Jesus Christ. You've got a question in your mind. Am I saved? Am I really saved? Because when I look at my life, I don't really see that I've been changed like some of the Christians around me. And there's a question mark in my mind about whether or not I'm really saved. Now, if there's a question mark, listen carefully. God doesn't want you to have that. Because the Bible says that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. By God's grace, I know I'm saved. Do you have that no? Or do you have a question mark? If you got a question mark, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Because friend, I don't want you to go out the door, get on the highway without giving you a chance. And an invitation to pray with me to receive Jesus into your heart. You can do it right now. So pray with me. Go ahead, bow your head. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer that I was led in when I was in juvenile home as a 16-year-old boy. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sin. And I ask you to forgive me for it. I open my heart to you, Lord. Come into my heart. Right now. In Jesus' name I pray.